0: Hi folks and welcome to another episode of the Future in Finance podcast series. This week we're talking about CMAP 1 topic 13 which is secured and unsecured lending. If you're new here this podcast is dedicated to help you smash through those CMAP exams. Basically every week we pick one of the topics from the London Institute of Banking and Finances study texts, and we work through it together. We try and give it some pizzazz. we drop in some real world examples where we can If you're not new here, welcome back. It's great to have you. Now, remember, if you don't want to miss an episode, you can hit follow and press the little notification or bell button, whatever it is on Spotify. Not only will it give you a little ding every time we drop an episode, but it also means we get to see how many real life people take advantage of this podcast. Now, I'm delighted as always to introduce
1: my favourite financial dumbass (laughs) co-host, Maria. How's it going? Really well. At some point I'm going to take offence to you referring to me as a financial dumbass, but this week is not that week. I will find a different, I will think of a different nickname. I will ask AI to come up with a less offensive nickname for you. I mean, ask AI to come up with a more offensive nickname and see what the list is. Next week's episode, we're going to be even more offensive. Interactive voting on what offensive nickname we
0: should use next week. (laughs) Okay, let's fire through the usual updates. So I've got the free CMAP exam training webinar, which takes place this Thursday, which is the 27th of July at half past eight in the evening. If you're not signed up, go over to the website, which is cmap.com and get your name on the list. It's about an hour's course where I'm going to walk you through what to expect on exam day, Plus work through a bunch of mock exam questions together and talk about different learning styles to help you understand how you understand stuff. It's going to be gold dust if you're studying for your CMAP and I can tell you that I'm the only person offering any kind of free CMAP related things. So snap it up while you can. Just look for the free exam webinar section of the website. Also, let's talk about the website. We have a new web address, so you no longer have to work those little fingers to a bone typing Future in finance into your browser. (laughs) Now, you just go to
1: cmap.com, and if you can't find it from that, then you don't deserve to be qualified in CMAP. (laughs) If you can't spell CMAP, I say this as someone who still struggles to spell CMAP whenever I text it to you, so... Well, if you can't spell CMAP, then... There's
0: little to no (laughs) hope, but if there was hope, I could help you with it. Uh, But it's much easier, it's much quicker, and I'm all about saving you precious, precious time. So you're welcome with that one. I've got one space left on the masterclass launch. So if you haven't heard, it's a five day fast track CMAP 1 course teaching you exactly how to get through your exam. You get the delight of me and no more than seven other students for five whole days. You get lifetime access to an e-learning platform, which delivers all the same material, just in a bunch of different learning styles. You get the complete audio study guide series as well, which I'll come on to in a bit. And you get a one-hours, one-to-one coaching session with me, all for the bargain-bargain price of £279. To put that into perspective, if you look at any other program, it's about £600. And once mine has gone past the early bird stage and it's no longer a launch offer, it's also going to be about £600. So... It's a bargain. If you want to sign up for it, there's one space left on the 4th to the 8th of September course. And then there's a few spaces left on the 2nd to the 6th of October course. They're the only ones that are going to be at £279. The rest are going to be about £598, so it's worth saving. You can also now pay in instalments because we've got ClearPay hooked up to the website. So again, just go over to cmap.com, look for the masterclass, have a read, see what you think and bag your space if it's for you. Now, let's give our ears something a little magical in the form of our catchy catchy intro music while we get you to de- while we get ready to deliver you a dose of the good stuff. Maria,
1: cue intro music. <laughs>
0: Before we dig in, I almost forgot to mention, we looked on Spotify the other day, and we have eight five-star reviews, and I checked, and none of it is family members or me, so if you rated us five stars, thank you very much. If you haven't rated us yet, and you would like to rate us five stars, please go on Spotify and do so, because that helps with my stuff. If you want to rate it any less than five stars, then bugger right off, because (laughs) I've not figured out how to delete other reviews off spotify yet i don't even know if i can so if you do want to leave us a review it's massively appreciated it really does help us Um, so there's just the stars button you all know how to do it so just go and go and do it go and do it go and do it okay now let's jump in so we're going to start as always with our objectives quick reminder this is not a comprehensive study guide we wedge what we can into 25 to 30 minutes we can't do any more than that so it's not the full topic but right now we're going to cover off repayment mortgages interest-only mortgages, the range of interest rate options that might be available, equity release, and other types of secured lending, which includes bridging loans. First up, I wanted to make sure we all know the difference between secured and unsecured lending, because you might not have heard it before. So secured lending is when any debt that you take out is secured against something. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a property, it could be secured against a car. And it means if you don't pay the, your debts, somebody could come and take it away. So the, the best example is a mortgage because the lending is secured against your house. Right. If you don't keep up with your mortgage payments, your home may be repossessed or whatever the advert says. Same with your car. So
1: the actually
0: say that? Yeah, it has to legally say if you do not keep up with your repayments, your home may be repossessed. It is a legal requirement, which we will come on to in topic 24 that's miles away. Uh-huh. So, in the event that repayments are missed and you can't resolve it in any other way, they have the right to come and take your house off you and sell it to pay for the debt that they incurred by lending the money to you. Whereas unsecured lending is stuff like overdrafts, it's credit cards. It's not secured against anything. If you don't pay it, it's not great, but there's nothing that really that they can come and take away because it's not secured against anything in particular. They can't physically take anything off you for it, but generally they send like
1: you know bailiffs bailiffs and stuff
0: (laughs) who can yeah to sell the debt. That's exactly it. So because unsecured lending is seen as higher risk, generally interest rates on them are higher because they have to calculate they have to kind of account for the increased risk. Account is the word I was looking for. That's exactly it. Excellent. Now, if you've been studying for your CMAP because you've got big hopes and dreams of one day becoming becoming a mortgage advisor, which I would guess is a one hundred percent of our listeners. (laughs) Today we're actually going to talk about mortgages. For the first time, it's only taken us almost five months to get to the point where we're going to talk about mortgages, but topic 13 is where it happens. So there are two basic types of mortgages. You have a repayment mortgage, which is also sometimes known as a capital and repayment mortgage, and you've got an interest-only mortgage. Now there are a number of different ways that can be used to repay an interest-only mortgage and I'm going to come back over to this later in the topic um, when we cover equity release schemes as well. That's kind of another type of mortgage-ish. But let's start with the repayment mortgage. Now with a repayment mortgage, you make monthly repayments to the lender. So if you go to... Marie, give me a bank. Barclays. You go to Barclays. You take out a mortgage that's a repayment mortgage and when you make the repayment, you pay part capital and the capital is how much the house actually costs. So you've got the cost of the house and then you've got the interest on top of it, which is how much you're paying the bank for the loan. Yeah. So you will always pay part capital and part interest. And not many people know this, but when you first take out a mortgage... The first five to ten years of a standard 25-year mortgage, you pay off something like 80% of what you pay every month only pays interest. It doesn't pay any of the capital of the house.
1: That just blows my tiny, tiny mind. So if
0: you get a balance from Barclays five years into paying a mortgage, you might find that actually you've paid two grand worth of your house off and you've made 30 grand worth of mortgage payments. Oh, that is galling. Yeah. So. That is galling. That's why sometimes it's better to pay... Well, look, it's better to make higher monthly repayments over a shorter period of time instead of spreading your mortgage right. out over 30 years instead of over
1: 15 years. You're paying less interest. Yeah, because overall you pay less. Which is just mind boggling because, you know, financially people generally don't have the ability to pay shorter periods, shorter money. periods, more money because you literally need money to do everything else in your life.
0: That's why the system works so well. Also, oh, terribly, depending oh, on, you yeah. know, your outlook on life. <laughs> <laughs> now, the repayment is calculated in a way where it's evenly spread throughout the term of the mortgage. So even though you would only pay, for example, £450 a month, that would stay the same. But the percentage of what is interest and what is capital changes across the term. Speaking of terms, I need to drop some key terms here because I get them wrong every time. And I feel like this might have come up in my exam, although I can't swear to it. But morga- the word mortgage-or, mortgager, <laughs> and the words mortgage e. Right. So if I said to you, Maria, who is the mortgagee?
1: Don't look at my notes. I was going to say. Um, so mortgage-or, mortgage Yeah. Well, if you look at it like employer-employee? Yeah. Is, does that? So it would be the employer-employer
0: giving you the job. So they would be the giving person, and then the employee is the person that takes the job.
1: Right, so the giving is the bank, and the taking is the, like, if I had a mortgage. You would think so. Funnily enough,
0: it's the other way around. What the fuck? So for the purposes of the exam, you need to know that the mortgagee is not the person taking out the loan, it is the person giving the loan. So a mortgagee is a lender. It is the bank, the building society or whatever financial institution you choose to use. The mortgagee, mortgagee is you and me.
1: Okay, easy way to remember it would be mortgagee your.
0: Hey, that is well smart.
1: So the mortgagee is your mortgage, your yeah, You're the mortgager. And the mortgagee is big G man bank. There we go. Maria, have you ever considered a career <laughs> in, in <what>? coaching? <laughs> in team <feedback laughs> coaching because I think I might have just found your calling in life. Well, considering a shovel to spell it maybe not. We will re- <laughs> we'll circle back around to this on topic 25. Now
0: let's talk about an interest only mortgage. Do you have any idea what this is by the way before I jump in? Okay. It's a type of mortgage, that's it. <laughs> it is a type of mortgage. So with an interest only mortgage, you only pay the interest. To the bank. So you've got a house that's worth Mm £200,000... ...and maybe you pay £200 a month interest. Right. You would only pay the interest. The amount outstanding on your house balance never goes down. Why? Because with an interest-only mortgage, you need to have something called a repayment vehicle in place to pay off the mortgage. So there's a bunch of different options here, and I can't dig into them all right now, but the way that it works is it, let's say you had a well-good pension Uh that when you hit 55 and you get your 25% tax-free lump sum, Mm -hmm. that was going to be £200,000,
1: right? which is the
0: outstanding balance on your mortgage. So what you could do is you could just make your monthly interest payments and then say, when I hit 55, I'm going to pay off the full cost of the mortgage because I've got a repayment vehicle. I've got this this cash...
1: I've got dish cash, saved somewhere to pay off the cost of the house eventually. So do you prove that to the bank at the time? Yes. You can't just be like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I can definitely do this in four years. So, fun fact.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Before the financial crisis of 2008... You
1: could wink, wink, nudge, would you, win, you could You could just be like, door.
0: yeah, I'll get an interest-only mortgage and I'll pay it off at some point, probably, maybe, if I win the lottery and the bank could be like, cool, John, sign here. So... Was that part of
1: why there was a financial crisis?
0: Um, no. I imagine it contributed somewhat. You could also get like a 150% mortgage before then. So if your house was worth
1: £200,000... like the pounds, fucking Wild Wild West, to be honest with you. Yeah,
0: you could get a mortgage for more than what your house was worth to do it up at the time, but then yeah. the banks realised if nobody paid it back, they had no way to recoup that money. That's why the financial <laughs> crisis happened. <laughs>
1: wow that is um that yeah mm. yeah so in april 2014 <laughs> you do not need to
0: know this date for the exam <laughs> i'm just flexing i'm not gonna lie the conduct of business source book said this fucked up we should probably fix it so now there is a rule set that says if you take out an interest-only mortgage not only do you have to be able to prove that you have some sort of repayment vehicle doesn't have to be a pension it could be a trust fund right it could be be an investment account that performs really well okay at least once during your mortgage term the bank has to contact you and go cool
1: do you know that investment account that you told us about still money's still in there and it's still performing right and then provide the proof yeah so it's like when you take out insurance on your car and you're like yeah i've definitely got 12 years no claims bonus and then they go, at some point in the next month, you're going to have to send us that letter to prove it.
0: It's exactly the same. So if it is that for whatever reason that investment isn't performing, they then have to either find an alternative repayment vehicle or right. switch to a capital and interest mortgage. Okay. With pensions, it's very similar there's a little bit of higher risk with pensions though because if you think about it, that, that £200,000 that you're going to draw out is yours to do with what you want. So technically you could draw it out and not pay back the mortgage. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't do you any favours but you could do it if you just you know wanted to fuck with the system. So there's a higher risk with pensions Yeah. Um, and there's a higher risk with a lot of different options because the bank can't be like, I'm going to take that money because it's legally not theirs to take. It almost like works
1: on a promise. Interesting. I mean, they're just banking excuse the pun on people you know sticking to their word aren't they that's
0: exactly what they're doing fun fact for you as well if when you do eventually end up working in mortgage advice they banks now have quite a lot of caveats if you want an interest-only mortgage they won't just give them to any old tom dick and harry some banks will say they will only offer them to people who earn over a hundred thousand pounds a year so people used to be able to get interest-only mortgages and now they want to come back and get another one, and it's like, yeah, no, honey, you can't you do that anymore. Yeah. Um, just because all the rules changed after the financial crisis. You do, again, you don't need to know that for the purposes of the exam, but <laughs> I found that was really interesting when I went into the role. I was like, huh, who knew? Because so many people
1: questioned me on it when they rang up. I was like,
0: I, I think that's the rule. I'm pretty sure I'm going to go check. And it is the rule.
1: It's good to have it as general knowledge, you know, in the case of, like, you dealing with customer inquiries, at least you're talking from a perspective of this is the reason you know you've answered the question there and then a point of inquiry exactly so someone's not going to go on to their mortgage advisor meeting and be like this is bullshit i expected i could get i could have an interest-only mortgage exactly
0: now with interest-only mortgages
1: if you had one and
0: you die before the end of the mortgage term the repayment that you still have to make is for the still for the full loan amount so they're generally a lot better at checking that you have the right level of life insurance in
1: place to make sure that they full amount of the mortgage is going to be paid. Is it a legal requirement to have a life insurance policy if you have a mortgage? Um, From a lender
0: perspective, they insist that that is the case. However, I have never known a lender to check that information, but they add the caveat of you have to have the appropriate insurance in place before the mortgage completes. But if they don't, the house is theirs anyway if they don't pay. So if right. you die and you've not got the right level of insurance, the house then belongs to the bank anyway. So they're still going to get that money back. So they don't have to Even check it. Even if I left it to like, my
1: kids or well,
0: the dog's home. Yeah, because either the dog's home or the kids would have to pay the bank back. Wankers. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Moving on to mortgage interest rate options. So there's a bunch of different ways that you can be charged interest, basically. It can be, some lenders can charge interest on an annual basis, some can charge it on a monthly basis, and some even on a daily basis, depending on what kind of mortgage product you take out, which we're not going to jump into today, will depend on how the interest is calculated, and some options are better for others depending on whether you want to make overpayments or whether you just want the same amount to come out every month. Generally, it's the lender who decides on how the interest is charged, although, again, it varies between products. Okay, next on our list, we have shared ownership. I don't think I actually mentioned this in the objectives, but it is in the textbook, so we'll cover it. Do you have
1: any any point of reference for a shared ownership scheme mortgage? No, my only assumption is that it deals with two people sharing ownership of something.
0: Kind of, not wrong. So these are well popular now they i want to say they're relatively new maybe in the last like 10 to 15 years but the idea is is that they were it was a scheme that was set up designed to help people who were on a relatively low income to become owner occupiers of the property so the idea was if you wanted to buy a house but you couldn't afford a full mortgage on it you could mortgage 50 percent of the property now and rent 50 percent of the property right so you would pay half mortgage half rent And then in 10 years' time, when you've got your, when you've been, oh, career, oh my God, what's the word I'm looking for, Maria? When you get a better job in your career. Promotion. Promotion, there we go. (laughs) In 10 years' time, when you get your big promotion, you can then mortgage the other 50% so that you would own the entire house.
1: Who do you rent the 50% to?
0: A housing scheme. So, you know, if you see a new build property development where they're building like 100 houses
1: on a plot. Oh, like the cardboard ones that everyone's moving into at the minute and they're like, first time posts on Facebook that make me want to in my own mouth. Those ones where yeah. everything is like 50 shades of different velvet grey. If you've got a crushed velvet sofa, we're coming for you.
0: Yeah, crushed velvet is not the one. Anyway, those houses yeah. are generally, they have a proportion of them that are offered on shared ownership schemes. The government incentivise um, builders to do it because it's a more accessible way for people on lower incomes to afford nicer houses. So they will okay. say... of these houses are going to be shared ownership. So the idea is, is that if you're on a lower income, you can mortgage half of it, rent half of it, and then in so many years' time, you could do something called staircasing, which is where you would mortgage a higher percentage of the property. Right. They do have their benefits. However, they also do have their drawbacks. So one of the potential drawbacks could be if your house goes up in value by £100,000 in 10 years, which is just an example, when you come to remortgage that other 50%, you've got the added value of the property.
1: Oh, that's mean.
0: Yeah, so there are also downsides to it. Yeah. And when you're going to be advising on it, it's really important that you make sure that somebody is aware of that because obviously... They just want to sell houses, so they'll be like, this is the best scheme since sliced bread, you're not going to get anything better, but it's really important that people have a balanced view and they understand that there is risk with the schemes as well.
1: Yeah, because it could be that in so many years when they do come to increase their ownership percentage, they aren't actually able to. Exactly. So they're just stuck in that time loop.
0: That's exactly it. And that shared ownership, that's all we need to know about that cool. for the purposes of the exam. Then we have equity release. So equity release is generally reserved for people who are over the age of 55. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that age has gone up recently. I don't think it has. I believe it is still at 55. But the idea is you can release the equity that's in your property. So let's say you've got a house that's valued at £150,000 and you've got a £50,000 mortgage that's left over. You've got £100,000 worth of equity in that property. Yep. With me so far? Yeah. So equity release plans are designed to enable homeowners who do not have a mortgage on their property to release some of that equity and they would effectively sell their property to a company that gives them the cash for the property, lets them live in it until they die or they until they move into a care home. The downside is you could not then leave that
1: property to a relative if you wanted to leave the kid. Oh, is this all the adverts? Isn't it? Right, someone let me know in the comments if I'm mistaken. I swear there's a new radio advert. There is. And is it the guy from Midsummer Murders doing the voiceover? Oh maybe. He's got a really familiar voice, and I feel like it's the actor from Midsummer or like one of those like BBC afternoon crime dramas. Yeah. Um Is it the one where he goes, No, yes, yeah. no, yes. No, I don't know. But I don't know if it's legal in general, maybe, or if I'm confusing that with an advert I've seen on the telly. Anyway. And that's the one where they're like, do you want to help your fucking kid buy his first flat? Or, yeah. Like, oh yeah, it's a guy with middle owners. Yeah, yeah, I know, it's
0: a TV advert. Okay. Yes, but there is also a radio advert where it's like a, a conversation between two people and one guy's going, no. And the other two are going, yes. And he's going, no. And basically they've told him that they've given him like a fuck ton of money. It's their son because they've equity released. They've released all the equity out of their
1: property. So basically what you do is, rather than getting the money after you're dead Mm -hmm. yeah it's before you're dead yeah so So you can help someone like a kid or a a grandkid buy a first house which typically i mean unless you have quite well-off parents or you're in a system a a situation where you have family that can help you typically most of us are waiting for some form of inheritance yeah everybody's waiting for somebody to pop it if we want to buy our first house yeah yeah exactly exactly so instead of waiting for that it's a pre-release yeah
0: the radio advert tagline is for the life in later life yes it is and that's exactly what it is yeah so you can release what your property is worth you can have that in cash you have effectively sold your house to somebody else they're gonna let you live in it but you've got the money to do with what you want you can have margaritas from 10am on a cruise every day until you die because you've just released all the equity in your house and not leave anything for you money-grabbing shitbag kids. Exactly. I've just done some Googling, actually, while I've been looking at that, and I completely lied about the age that you can oh. get equity release. So my apologies. Correction. Most of the schemes are only available to people over the age of
1: 60, and a lot have a minimum age of 70. Is that basically so that they get the house in a timely fashion? Because otherwise, people are living so much longer. Like... My grandfather died at 93. If he'd equity released at 55, the bank would have been fucking livid. <laughs> Honestly, he wouldn't have had enough money to last. <laughs> That's exactly it. Right, okay. So, so it's because people are living longer. The age, is the going age up. has gone up. So minimum age of 60, a lot
0: of them caveat 70. that at 70. Now, there are councils in place to make sure that equity release products are being sold safely and reliably because... It's an older generation that you're dealing with, so mm-hmm. you know how older people are
1: more likely to fall victim to phone scams or send thousands of pounds overseas to someone who's pretending to be their grandchild on a gap yard it Gap It's mm-hmm.
0: a very similar situation. They're they're well heavily regulated by a completely different council, and if you want to advise on equity release schemes, you have to get an additional qualification on top of your CMAP to
1: be able to deal with those customers. I mean, to be honest with you, if you dealing with the older population you should probably have extra qualifications anyway not only in patience but also explaining things to people really slowly because you know they it's can like be trying funny. to explain to your grandma how to use the Skyrim over the phone when the box is oh, turned off yeah all that time grandpa came back with a two and a half liter turbo ford fiesta that he'd been sold at 85 years of age when he can't differentiate and it was an automatic and he couldn't differentiate between the brake and the accelerator and he definitely took the wing mirror off on the way into and out of the garage like on four different occasions before I went back to the garage and flipped my shit with them and was like what were you doing selling a pocket rocket to a man who can barely cross a road in a timely manner (laughs) so yeah definitely um, definitely be careful with the older generation because you'll end up having their grandkids like me coming in to speak to you Fun fact that elderly
0: people fall under the vulnerable customer category. When we get onto vulnerable customers,
1: Mm -hmm. elderly people fall into that category. Yeah, so basically, just don't be a dick to someone's grandma or grandpa. Yeah, it's well bad karma. Really bad karma, because I'll hit you with a two and a half litre Ford Fiesta.
0: Now, we are well almost out of time for this segment, so we're going to fire through um, something called bridging finance. So this falls under unsecured lending, It's really important that we know about this. So bridging finance can be used to bridge the gap between selling your home and buying another home. Or buying your your home and selling your other other home. The second one. So, real world example. You love this house, Maria, but it is just too small because you're getting more dogs. You might have adopted (laughs) next door's car and you're thinking about potentially popping a sprog out and you go, we need a bigger house. Yeah. So you find the dream home. It's got everything. It's got the garden. It's got the white picket fence. Stables. Yeah. Oh, stay. Okay. Yeah. We're really going up market. Yeah. But you've bought the new house. You're ready to move in. Okay. Yeah. Good. But you have not yet sold this house.
1: Oh, spanner in the
0: works. Yeah. So you can get something called a bridging loan, which basically pays for your new house during the time you're waiting for
1: this house to sell. Oh, so it's what all of us do on the way into payday at Christmas and we're like, "Can you know, I just borrow 100 quid so I can fill the kids' stockings and I'll pay it back to you when I get paid. Bridging finance, next time you ask your parents for
0: money, just be like, can I
1: have a bridging loan,
0: please? They'll be well
1: impressed. <laughs> yes. Won't, won't work with my dad, he's a financial advisor. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> so there are two types of bridging finance. You've got closed
0: bridging, but this is when you know when you're going to sell the property. So there might be a two-month gap between you buying your new gaff and this place selling. Right. That's closed bridging. And generally speaking, it's cheaper to do a closed bridging deal because there's less risk involved because you've already got a set end date. Right. If you've got open bridging, you've got no idea if this house is ever going to sell. It's well riskier, so right. you pay a higher interest rate.
1: That makes sense. So it's like, I've got a buyer lined up, but they're not in a position because there's a, an onward fucking deal with their house, and, but we know it will be dealt with in two months. Exactly.
0: Cool, that makes so sense. bridging finance. Pretty simple. Closed bridging, open bridging. Comfortable with it all?
1: Yeah, I mean, just think about it like a fucking bridge and then you're good.
0: There we go. For you're all you visual learners out there, just a the fucking bridge. <laughs> and that's it. We're done for today. We've got no more time. That is as much of CMAP1 1, Unit 1 Topic 13 boxed off in as in the 30 minutes that we can fit it into. Uh, I definitely mentioned this at the start. This is not a comprehensive study guide. If you want a comprehensive study guide through audio files, that's what the all-access pass is for. It's 50% off at the minute, so for 120 quid you get all 25 units of the text rewritten, dumbed down, real world examples. You can listen to it while you're driving your car, putting on your makeup, taking a shit, whatever you're doing. (laughs) You can listen and learn and you get an hour's one-to-one coaching with me and it's just 120 quid. So you can look for the all access pass on the website under products. You will definitely see it there. You can also purchase one topic at a time. So if you feel like secured lending you've got down but the benefits one that we did in topic five no clue you can buy just one unit at a time for a tenner and honestly you can't buy anything for a tenner these days so it is a bargain and also if you want extra study support for free there is a sunday sunday sun there is not a sunday there is a sunday sunday study support group i send out mock exam questions and hints and tips for the exam All you have to do is subscribe. Mother of God, you can tell this has been a long half an hour. (laughs) Subscribe on the website. You get loads of really good shit that you can't get anywhere else without paying an extortionate
1: amount of money. I mean, at this point, it's really a public service, isn't it?
0: It is. I deserve an OBE. Yeah, you do.
1: Whichever it is. One's order, one's member. Would you like to order of the British Empire or member of the British Empire? I'll take either. I mean, OBE used to also be referred to as other bloke's efforts like as a joke that's pretty funny yeah it's pretty funny
0: (laughs) (laughs) my favourite people go better yourself go get the career you want and go get help with your CMAP studies with future in finance as always if you have any questions if there's something that you don't think we explained right or if there's anything you just want to know more about or if you just want to tell us that you are studying for your CMAP and you put it into TikTok thinking nothing would come up and you saw my ugly mug on there and you've ended up (laughs) listening to this podcast please tell me because it really does make my day when you do that I've got this podcast, got TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, so many different social media channels that I can't keep up with them. (laughs) And now I'm talking about also setting up a YouTube page. So if you'd be interested in that, also let me know, because I need at least 50 people to tell me that they want me to do it before I can commit to another
1: having to record myself.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But it's been an absolute dream having you here. Thank you so much for listening, and we can't wait to catch you next week. All right then,
1: cue outro music.